0: Now, I, I just have a, just a, a brief uh, little devotional that I want to do here. And those of you, if you're familiar with the story of Ruth, uh, Ruth became the, I believe, the, the great-grandmother of David. And Ruth is in the lineage of Jesus. And she um, is a Moabitess. And it's an incredible story. Um, and so Naomi uh, went to a foreign land with their sons where they married daughters. And there in that land, Naomi's husband died. Uh, both her, uh, uh, the husbands of her daughters died and they were left with nothing in despair and in shame. And so they crawled back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bethlehem is the house of bread. Bethlehem is where there is food. And they came crawling back, and of course, uh, the one daughter opted to stay in the foreign land with her father's house. But Ruth clung to Naomi and said, I don't want to go back to my father. I'm I'm going back with you. I'm going to serve your God. And wherever you go, I'm going to go. And she clung to Naomi. And they ended up in Bethlehem. And uh, they uh, needed food. And I'm shortening the story. So Ruth uh, decides that she's going to glean the field with the poor. And so it was law in Israel for them to not comb so tightly over the fields that they leave nothing for the poor. And so they were, the Israelites knew that they were not to go, they were not to go over it with a fine tooth comb because they were to leave scraps for the poor. And that was where Ruth positioned herself was with the poor. And there she was, gleaning behind the reapers. And so uh, she didn't know it at the time, but Boaz was the owner of that field. And Boaz was the owner. Boaz paid the reapers. And then you had the poor walking behind the reapers, picking up whatever they could. And Ruth did not know it, but she caught Boaz's eye. And uh, Boaz instructed some of the workers to... Leave a little bit more behind for her. And at this point, Ruth has zero relationship with Boaz. And uh, so I'm, I'm just going to read one verse in chapter 2, and it's verse 17. Verse 17 of chapter 2 says this. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And somebody smarter than me can look up what an ephah is to find out how much it is. What does it say? 26 quarts. Okay, not a shabby amount, but this was, this was barley that was not to last just for a day. I mean, they're collecting in season barley that is going to last them for the whole of the year. And so we hear 26 quarts and we go, wow, that's a lot. But um, she, she tread that out, you know, for the whole year, 26 quarts might not go that far, right? And so she got one ephah of barley on her own. And I would say that's pretty good. Um, And then the Lord orchestrates things for her to come into relationship with Boaz, They discover that Boaz is a relative of Naomi and uh, Naomi's son who had perished. And because they had no children and specifically no sons to carry on their name, the law allowed for a relative to take Ruth as his own to bear children or at least a son, for her husband who died. And that's called being a kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz was, uh, came into relationship with her, and Naomi instructed her to go to where Boaz was to uncover his feet and to lay at his feet all night long. And she did that. And I don't understand the story because, um, this part of the story, because I guarantee you, if I'm in a dead sleep and somebody uncovers my feet and lays down at the foot of my bed, I am going to wake up and say, what in the world are you doing here? But he didn't wake up until late in the morning. And when, when, uh, When he woke up, he began to converse with her and the desire was set in his heart to become his kinsman redeemer. Now the story goes on because there was one individual that was closer to her in relationship than him and by law, he had to give that individual first opportunity and the rest of the story goes that 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 individual said no, Boaz said yes, took Ruth on as his wife, and they bore, uh, they bore children together, and it's an amazing story. God took them from the ashes and set them in a place of honor. But here, when she is in relationship um, with, with um, I'm looking for the exact verse here because this is so powerful, what the Lord spoke to me. And um, chapter 3 and verse 10. Is that it? Um, Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to... Okay, here it is. Uh, Look at verse, again, verse 17 of chapter... Three, Both of them, verse 17. Um, look at what happens now that they're in relationship. Okay? And she said, um, well, let's back up to verse 15. He said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs, of barley, and laid it on her, and then she went into the city, and she came to her mother-in-law Naomi. She said, is that you, my daughter? And she told all that the man had done for her, and she said, these six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And when I read that this morning before the prayer time, when I read that this morning, I felt the Lord speak to me that the spirit of multiplication comes through relationship. What she toiled all day for when she was not in relationship was multiplied six times when she was in relationship, and can I ask you this? Did it come harder or did it come easier? It came much easier. Why? Because when she's in relationship, not just with somebody that that is a worker in the field, but with the one that owns the fields, that's powerful. See, I believe that me and us and a lot of believers, we settle for what we can labor for. When God's saying, when you're in relationship with me, you have everything you need. I am your all in all. In this story, Boaz is a type of Christ who has come to redeem you and me. He has paid the price of redemption. in this case, not just uh, not just taking, uh, taking on a bride, but paying for it with his own blood. Hallelujah. And those of us in relationship with Jesus, when you're in relationship with Jesus, here's, here's what it's like. Jesus comes up to the man. That's sitting by the pool and he's lame and he he's been coming to this pool for 37 years, right? I'm just I I just got to try to get to the get to the pool, get to the pool. If I just get to the pool, then the angel that stirs it will heal me that that was the myth. And perhaps sometimes it was the truth. I don't I don't know whether that was a myth that happened or whether that was real. But somebody at some point got healed in that pool. And he thought, well I just got to get there. I just got to get there. He's working on his own and he's meet, he's there with Jesus. He doesn't understand who Jesus is. And so Jesus says, "What can I do for you?" And this is often what we do. He says, "I, I need somebody to help me to the pool." He didn't understand that when you have Jesus you don't need a pool. When you have jesus you don't need a tradition when you have jesus you don't need this you have the healer you have the healer you have everything that you need and ruth said and so ruth came into relationship with the owner of the field and had everything that she needed hallelujah and this and this lame man came into relationship with the one with the one that had the river of living water inside of him, and he didn't need to get into the pool. He just needed Jesus to speak over him. Hallelujah. Just get up. Just get up and, and start walking, sir. Just get up right now. It, it, and, uh, and he was healed by the power of God after 37 years. And I think so many times we as believers are just trying so hard We're trying so hard, but everything that we need is in him, is in Christ. It's in him. So what do you need? Do you need wisdom? I want to tell you that Jesus is wisdom tonight. What do you need? Do you need healing? Jesus is wisdom the healer. What do you need? Do you need provision? Jesus is the provider. I have a a temptation as a pastor. I have a temptation to trust in the financial report. And the elders understand my struggle with this. I don't think they carry it as much as I do. They have more faith than I do sometimes. And this church is a giving church. But God has called us to some bigger things. And so what are we going to trust in? Are we going to trust in the, the, the bottom line and what we can squeeze out of an orange? Or are we going to trust in the one that has all provision? Hallelujah. We're going to trust in him. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean we act foolishly. But it does mean we walk in faith and we walk in obedience to God. Oh, Hallelujah. And we don't let what, what we, you know, we look at the history and we say, oh, you know, we've done well, but there's no way we can afford that. We can allow the history to control our actions. And I declare over this house that we will not do that in the name of Jesus, but we will trust in the provider. We will trust in him. Hallelujah. Now, how is he going to do it? He's going to do it partially through his people. And so he's going to do it through his people, and we're believing God for that, yes. But our eyes are not on uh, the, the one sitting in the chairs. Our eyes are on the king. Our eyes are on him. Hallelujah. Because when we have him, we have everything. And I believe that in relationship with Jesus is the spirit of multiplication. And so your household has need. What do you do? You get in tighter with Jesus. Now, he might tell you, hey, for a season, you need a second job. But it's going to be him that tells you. He may supernaturally provide. You might go to the mailbox and go, wow, I didn't even know I had an uncle in uh, California that died with no children and left an inheritance. My mom and dad did that. They went to the mailbox one day, and there was a very sizable check in the mailbox. And uh, my my mom's long-lost uncle, who never married and had kids, divided it among all the relatives. And the letter had the first check in it and said there will be seven more checks just like this one. And they had no idea. And they went, thank you, Father. You don't know how God's going to provide. But in him is the spirit of multiplication. Thank you, Father. Sometimes he just stretches the dollars that you have beyond what you could possibly think. And at the end of the month, you go, I still have $10 left. How did that happen? Anybody ever experienced that before? That's the provider. Sometimes he'll tell you, you need to cut some things in your life. But I'm telling you, in him, whatever answer he applies to it, it's up to him. And in him is everything that you need as you follow hard after the Lord. Praise God. I want to share with you right now, right now, in the Petersburg church account is $7,000. That's phenomenal. That's the spirit of multiplication. Do you know how many people from Petersburg that we have? Right now, about seven. And I'm just looking at that going, thank you, Father! it's amazing what God is doing. Multiplication. And we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is doing it. God is doing it by his spirit. And he's going to do it for your family. He's going to do it for you as an individual. He's going to do it for your household. He's going to do it for this church. Amen. He's going to do it for this house, for this body, for such a time as this right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So can we believe him for a six-fold anointing? He turned, maybe it was a sevenfold anointing. He turned one ephah into seven. Sevenfold anointing. Can we believe for that? Can we believe for that? I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about the growth in your own life. I'm talking about the, the numbers of people that are coming to Christ. We had a full house here Sunday morning. It was awesome. Thank you, Lord. We had to bring in a few more chairs. I thank God for that. Praise the Lord. God is so, so good. And so, Lord, we just thank you right now. Lord, the spirit of prayer that has been in this place tonight. And, God, we have no idea. Maybe you've already Uh, spoken some things, but God, so much is hidden as to what you're doing and accomplishing, even as the result of prayer tonight. And I thank you, Jesus, for the spirit of multiplication on this house. And we declare, God, it is not the barley that is our reward, when Naomi saw that barley, she gave God praise, but it was not the barley that she was excited about. <laughs> she was excited about Boaz. And Jesus, we're thankful for everything that you've done, but it is, in fact, not those things that we're so excited about. Jesus, you are our reward. And we thank you, Jesus, that every day we get to walk with you and see what awesome thing you will do next. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. We magnify your name. Jesus, you are so, so good. You are so, so good. So just for a moment. If you receive this word into your life, just just hold your hands up to the Lord. and Say, Lord, I I just receive the word of God. Into my life in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise tonight. Yes, Lord, you are a good, God.